We are honored to have with us today the deans of students from our sister Presbyterian seminaries. Welcome to Princeton Seminary, and we hope you'll experience the warmth of our campus community while you are here. Our scripture text today comes to us from the third chapter of Philippians, beginning at verse 4b. If anyone has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I've come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death if somehow I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Once again, O oh God, we've gathered here to place our lives in front of your word, asking that you would use it to transform us closer into the image of the word made flesh. For we ask it in his name. Amen. I have a little problem when it comes to book bags. The problem is that I have many of them. I've received many as beautiful gifts. I'm always dreaming about the next one. <laughs> and already they're just, they're just lying around on the floor in my study. The problem with a good looking book bag is that you, it doesn't hold enough books. And I, I may also have a little problem with buying too many books. While I was on the West Coast, I took a cherished old book bag, a, a dear friend. And I must have picked up too many things along the way on the trip. Because by the time I got back to the TSA line, the airport, the zipper had already broken. And while I was standing in line, the strap broke. So I took the strap off and I wrapped it around this bulging bag 
and tied it in a knot just to hold the thing together. The man in line behind me said, it's a metaphor. <laughs> so I looked at him and said, are you a preacher? <laughs> yes, of course, it's a metaphor. We jam life with way too much stuff. And it isn't just the things we buy. The thing that really strains the bag is that we, we push in so much responsibility that we take on. And it has to find room next to our dreams and our, our relationships and our disciplines and, and our convictions about how we want to live life and our guilt about how we actually do. So yeah, some days it feels like it's all coming apart at the seams. Now this is the point where I'm supposed to tell you that the challenge then is to pull stuff out of the bag. Simplify life. As if spirituality was ever limited to just doing less. Or living without complicated demands on your life. That's, that's not what our text today is telling us. Paul's life was very complicated and full and demanding before he met Jesus. He was a Pharisee, that's a hard job, lots of rules. And his life was complicated and demanding after he met Jesus. He had to plant churches all over the Roman Empire. He got kicked out of half of the cities, usually with a shower of rocks behind him. Then even after he got the churches started, he had to fret over the heresies or, or whatever else it would be that would divide the church and trying to get the churches together. And he had to stand for an ecclesiastical trial with Barnabas about the Gentile thing. And then when he was with the Gentiles, he had to stir up some interest in a contribution for the church in Jerusalem. Which of these things is easy? So what was it about Paul's experience on the road to Damascus that changed his lifestyle? Well, let's, let's look at his testimony. I grew up in a wing of the church that stressed the public telling of testimonies, usually at the Sunday night service. A testimony is when you stand in front of people and you describe your life before you met Jesus and after you met Jesus. Now even as a kid growing up in this church, I figured out that most all of these testimonies followed the same basic pattern. First, you started talking about how awful a person you were before you met Jesus. And if your sins weren't all that interesting, you really had to kind of amp up just how miserable a person you really were. <laughs> In the second part of the testimony, you describe your own Damascus Road experience. And then in the third part, you always talk about how much better a person you are now. Got it. There are some variations on this, but that's the fundamental pattern. A bad person meets Jesus and becomes a good person. Notice how different Paul's testimony is from this. He was a really good person before he met Jesus. 
He had a good pedigree. Born of the house of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He had a good resume. He was a Pharisee. He had good ambition. He was zealous. He even had good spirituality. As to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. Really, Paul? Blameless? I can't imagine how heavy it would be to lug around all of that righteousness. Then he describes in the second part of his testimony the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. And then in the third part, he talks about being found in him and sharing in his sufferings. So whereas our testimonies are about bad people meeting Jesus and becoming good people, Paul's testimony is about a good person encountering the surpassing worth of Jesus in order to be like him. Like him in his death that I might somehow participate in the resurrection from the dead. Now this resurrection, this new life that Paul encounters that is of surpassing worth, it doesn't prevent him from suffering. In fact, he explicitly states he now takes on the sufferings of Christ. It doesn't make our life simpler. No, it plunges us into the very complex and flawed community called the church. And it, it, it doesn't really ease our load. No, it gives you a mission that is absolutely overwhelming at times. What the new life in Christ is really all about is Christ's life. That's what we get. His passions become our passions. And his passion, even on the cross, becomes our passion to give up our lives in the service of others and of a coming reign of God where justice and peace will finally become normative. This mission doesn't make your life easier or simpler or a, 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 an easy thing to carry on. No, it, but it does give you a, a, a mission that is finally worthy of your life. And that's the point. That's the new life. That's the change. So you just have to make sure that everything that you put into your life is a part of this one mission. That everything in your work, in your homes, in, in your, amongst your relationships, even in your self-care, is it all about this one calling to know Christ Jesus and to make him known. That's the mission. Now, very quickly, just, just one other thing. Paul is so riveted by this mission that he says he, he has to forget about what lies behind him in order to absolutely focus and to press ahead for the fulfilling of his call. Forgetting what lies behind in order to press ahead. Some of us need to forget 
about the opportunities we've passed up in order to respond to the call to serve Christ. Others of us, though, in fact, probably most of us, need to forget about the regret and the guilt that we lug around over the things we've done and left undone. Remember, before Paul was an apostle of the church, he was a persecutor of the church. Acts tells us that he dragged both women and men to prison. He was on the way to do more of that in Damascus when Jesus interrupted his life. Paul was the source of a great deal of heartache in the church. He hurt people. But it's striking that in all of his epistles to the church, he never seems to be burdened by guilt over what he did. That's because he knows he's been forgiven, which means that God doesn't even remember it, so Paul is free to forget it as well, to forget what lies behind. To be forgiven, in fact, means to be freed. This is why Jesus said that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It isn't the mission to serve the kingdom that weighs us down. That's not what's heavy. No, what's heavy is the guilt and the shame. In Christ, you're absolutely free to pull that stuff out of your life. In Christ, you have to pull that out of your life if you're gonna make room for a mission that can make a world of difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.